0: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Oh, I am so, so screwed. Yeah, I can imagine that's what was running through people's heads on this list. With that being said, I'm Sean Ferrick for Who Culture, and here are the 10 greatest I'm dead and I know it moments for modern Doctor Who. Number 10. The Doctor, The End of Time. There are several options to choose from, both from the 10th Doctor himself to his final episodes, The End of Time. He knows that the prophecy has been made, spelling his doom when some mysterious figure knocks four times. This, naturally, leads the Doctor to suspect that the Master, who has been plagued by the drumbeat of a Time Lord's heartbeat forever, will be the cause of his death. That leaves the Doctor initially running from his responsibilities, then coming to terms with what he's facing. As he crashes through the ceiling of the gate room, he faces both the Master and the Lord President Rassilon with a gun. As Rassilon raises his hand, he tells the Doctor that he is going to die along with the rest of them. The Doctor replies, I know. Only, he doesn't. The Master steps in, saving him, making everything right again. The Doctor begins, begins to laugh and joy, until Wolf knocks four times on the glass of a radiation chamber. The look on Ten's face at that moment sinks faster than the soundtrack around them. He knows that, despite all of his efforts, his time is up. Number 9. Miss Foster partners in crime. You kinda have to feel sorry for Miss Foster. She was technically an excellent nanny for the Adipose children. She ensured not only their safe reproduction but also their safe delivery to their parents. Earth was picked as a nursery world to help propagate the species using the fat cells of the residents. Namely, the humans. Masking the entire operation as a weight loss scheme, Foster was able to grow tens of thousands of adipose children, quite literally walking away from their hosts. This had a great side effect for the humans, people were losing weight rapidly. Unfortunately, when that weight loss began to speed up, there was a serious case of, well, Death. The doctor and Donna Noble worked together to expose what exactly was going on with Adipose Industries, resulting in Miss Foster, or Matron Cophelia as she was also known, calling for a swift extraction from the planet. There was a catch. As the doctor pointed out, what the Adipose were doing was highly illegal so it was very unlikely that they would want witnesses. For a split second, as she was dangling in the air from a levitation beam, Cophelia slash Foster knew the doctor was making sense. Then the beam shuts off. The look on her face is both tragic and a little hilarious. She may have been a good nanny, but she knew far too much. Number eight, Captain Jack Harkness. The parting of the ways. The end of the first season of the revival was an action packed affair featuring Daleks, godlike companions, and heart wrenching goodbyes. However, it was also a beginning of sorts, particularly for one Captain Jack Harkness. He had been introduced several episodes earlier as a time agent from the 51st century. From that point to this, he quickly became a fun companion for Rose and the Doctor, travelling with them, if only for a short time. Here, however, on Satellite 5, he comes face to face, or should I say, face to Istock with the Daleks. Jack was a hero through and through. He attempted to rally the survivors of the satellite together to form a last stand against the deadly foes, yet the barricades were all overwhelmed. After an emotional goodbye to both of his new friends, he goes on to lead the charge, a Dalek manages to corner him, and he stands there, arms outstretched, facing the monster down with bravery. It aims its weapon and kills him with a single shot. Now, as we all know, Rose brings him back forever, when she takes the Time Vortex inside her mind, where this last stand went down in the history books as one of the show's boldest overall. Number seven, Gwyneth, the Unquiet Dead. Gwyneth was a resident of Cardiff, around the same time that Charles Dickens was composing his Christmas Carol. Therefore, her experiences with the ghost-like species, the Gelf, directly influenced his writing. While that was great for Dickens, It was less pleasant for Gwyneth herself. The Gelf professed to be peaceful aliens who were simply looking for a new home after their own had been lost in the Time War. This affected the Doctor deeply as he had been one of the major combatants in the war, with the Time Lords being, at least partly, responsible overall. Therefore, he agrees to help, and Gwyneth agrees to be a host as they come through the rift. In one of the most mysterious deaths in Doctor Who history, Gwyneth is killed by the Gelf the moment she steps into the rift, but this doesn't stop her. She tells the others in the building to escape before lighting a match and igniting the gas around them. She does this with a stoicism that borders on creepy as she is aware that there's no coming back from this. What's more, the Doctor reckons she did all of it from beyond the grave. Number 6, Yvonne Hartman, Doomsday. Yvonne Hartman headed up Torchwood 1 as the second season of Doctor Who came to a close. Under her leadership, Canary Wharf was built up around a crack in the fabric of reality, much to the Doctor's annoyance, as he said, It was typical human behaviour to start poking at something unusual rather than just leaving it alone. It certainly would have been best if Hartman had heeded his advice earlier as she unwittingly allowed an entire army of Cybermen to cross over from an alternate reality to ours, taking the form of supposed ghosts while they learned to make the journey permanent. Although there were more problems to deal with in the form of four Daleks who had caused the crack initially, Hartman's demise comes at the steel hands of the Cybermen. She is brought down to their conversion factory, exuding the traditional stiff upper lip of the British, she walks resolutely into the chamber, hearing the screams all around her, repeating. I did my duty for queen and country, over and over again, right up until the moment her brain is extracted. At least she manages to off a few Cybermen after the conversion, but it is a slightly hollow victory. Number 5. Billy Shipton. Blink. Billy Shipton gets a raw bloody deal in Blink. While the episode is rightly considered one of the best episodes of Doctor Who overall, featuring a fantastic performance from Carrie Mulligan as Sally Sparrow, that doesn't mean that poor Billy doesn't get the short straw here. Zapped back in time by the weeping angels, the doctor and Martha are trapped in the 60s. Luckily for them, so is Billy Shipton, the police officer who was trying to help Sally. Unluckily for him, they need to get a message to Sally. The only way of doing so being Billy passing it on 50 years later. As the 10th Doctor said, the angels let you live yourself to death. And when Sally encounters him again, Billy is an old man in a hospital bed. Thanks to the Doctor, after he has passed on his message, he knows he has only a short time of life left. In fact, he knows when Sally enters the ward, he has until the rain stops left to live. He faces it with bravery, holding her hand as they wait together. It's beautiful and rough all at the same time. Number 4. Clara Oswald face the Raven. Clara Oswald was a divisive companion. Part of this is down to the fact that when she was introduced, her storyline was all over the place. She never quite fit with Matt Smith's 11th Doctor in the way that she came to fit with Peter Capaldi's 12th. Although she ended up being one of the longest serving companions in the revival era of Doctor Who, her eventual departure was somewhat underwhelming. Having said that, Jenna Coleman delivered an absolute blinder of a performance in Face the Raven. Having lost the love of her life in the form of Danny Pink, her actions became increasingly erratic and reckless, as she often failed to stop and consider the consequences of what she was doing. This led, almost directly, to her death. Her friend Rigsy is used as bait to lure the Doctor by me, formerly known as a shielder. Clara, without realising the cost, takes this countdown tattoo from Rigsy's neck to hers. This seals her fate as once passed on, the tattoo cannot be removed. Not even the Doctor can save her at this point. At first, she doesn't believe it, though she quickly accepts it, as though her journey had always been in this direction. She reminds the Doctor to keep living, to keep smiling, and not to give in to revenge. Then, she steps outside and waits for the Raven. It is a heartbreaking end, even if she does get saved, in a way, two episodes later. Number 3. Pete Tyler Father's Day. Father's Day is one of the most impactful episodes of Christopher Eccleston's season as the Doctor. Rose wants to go back in time to see her dad, who died when she was a baby. She promises the Doctor that she'll do nothing to affect the timeline and... Fool that he is, he believes her. Unsurprisingly, she darts out and rescues Pete from a car crash at the last moment. This leads to a new horror in the form of the Reapers, monsters that do anything they can to heal the fractures in time, such as the one Rose has just created. While there is a lot of fun seeing Jackie Tyler in full 80s get up, trying to understand who Rose is and what she's doing there, the episode quickly becomes one of the most affecting overall. Pete, after having the rules of time travel explained to him, understands what he needs to do setting the timeline right again pete steps outside the church after telling his family how much he loves them then runs at full speed to face the car it hits him and the timeline is set to rights again his haunted look just before he goes is one of the most memorable in all of doctor who number two donna noble the fires of Pompeii. The Fires of Pompeii is an excellent early episode for the Doctor and Donna. It also introduces both Karen Gillan, who would later play A.B. Pond, and Peter Capaldi who would of course return as the Twelfth Doctor. This story was a harsh lesson for Donna, as she learned just how painful it can be to be a time traveller who can't change the big disasters of the past. As the volcano begins rumbling over the city, Donna does everything she can to warn the people, though the Doctor tries to stop her, then they stumble into the mystery of the pyroviles, Of aliens who were attempting to convert Earth to a new homeworld after theirs was lost. If they succeed, all of humanity will be wiped out. To stop them, the Doctor and Donna must reverse the effect of their machines, though that will directly cause the eruption. At this moment, Donna. Fully believing that this will be her last act, places her hands on the Doctors and together they flip the switch that sets off the eruption. Now while they thankfully survive, this was the first example of her committing to self-sacrifice, though of course it wouldn't be her last. Number 1. The Doctor. The Parting of the Ways. Every Doctor's regeneration comes with a bucket load of emotion, but Christopher Eccleston's ninth Doctor hits every right note in his farewell. After the Daleks have been stopped and Rose has been saved, he takes the Time Vortex into himself before sending it back into the heart of the TARDIS. For a moment, things seem as though they've gone back to normal, then there's a shimmer on his hand. The Doctor knows that no living person should ever have the Time Vortex inside them. He saved Rose by taking it into himself, though he is doomed after this. He's as jovial as it's possible to be explaining to Rose what's about to happen. It was the first regeneration of the new era of Doctor Who and it remains one of the most fantastic. He simply gets on with it. Without too many big speeches, he knows that his time is up, but he spends his last words making sure that Rose isn't afraid. Eccleston's Doctor didn't get anywhere near enough time on the TARDIS, although we wouldn't take back a moment of David Tennant, but arguably he got one of, if not the, best regenerations to date.